0: So as we start out this morning, I want to begin by introducing you to an Austrian man by the name of Andreas. His last name has not been provided. But back in 2007, Andreas was digging in his backyard in Austria when he stumbled upon what looked like at the time to him just some old trinkets. Well, they were filthy and and covered in hard dirt, and so he just tossed these trinkets into a box. He didn't want to get rid of them, but he put them in a box, and that box eventually ended up where all boxes end up, in his garage, all right? So a few years later, as he was preparing to move, he, he was cleaning out his garage. Moves have a way of forcing you to do that at times. And so he's cleaning out his garage. He stumbles upon this box once again, and when he opened it up, Some of the dirt over the years had softened and fallen off some of these things. And he realized, man, he had a lot of shiny objects in there. He had some rings, some brooches, some gold plates, and even some ornate belt buckles. Someone must have won a roping contest. (laughs) So he took nearly 200 objects to the Office of Antiquities in Austria... And what he found out was that he had one of the most significant discoveries in Austria because he had found uh, pieces that were nearly 650 years old. They were medieval pieces. And so what looked like to him initially as just something unwanted that he tossed aside really turned out to be a priceless treasure. So we're in a series right now titled Undeniable Joy. And as we're going through this series, we're simply walking through the book of Philippians. So let me just pause right here and remind you of our working definition for biblical joy. Joy is that good feeling of peace, happiness, and contentment that comes from the spirit that is at work within us regardless of the circumstances that are at work around us. And let me just quickly remind you that when I say the spirit that's at work within us, I'm not referring to uh, our own spirit. I'm not referring to some mystical spirit. I'm specifically referring to the Holy Spirit, which scripture teaches us is given to every single believer upon the moment of our salvation. What scripture tells us is that the Holy Spirit is given to us as a down payment of our salvation. And so if you have given your life to Christ, then you have received the Holy Spirit into your life, and therefore you have this Spirit working inside of you to produce joy in your life, even when the circumstances of your life may not be joyful. Now, as we think about these, these circumstances that may not be joyful circumstances in our life, and they may not be joyful because maybe it's times of sickness, maybe it's times of pain, maybe it's times of suffering, maybe it's times of Persecution, these, somewhat, uh, these, these circumstances that, that really are not joyful circumstances, they may be, as we see them, somewhat unwanted circumstances. If we could put them in a box and just toss them aside, we probably would. But what we've seen in the book of Philippians so far is that even in these, these times of, of circumstances that maybe they're unwanted circumstances, Even in these times that we may not be going through something joyful because of God's grace, because of his faithfulness to to use any circumstance in our life for his glory and for our good, what we might see as an unwanted circumstance, because of God's faithfulness, we can see it as a priceless treasure. Paul didn't desire to be in prison he would have much rather been, been able to be free traveling around preaching and proclaiming the gospel. But Paul also recognized that God could work in his life even while he was in prison for, for God's glory and for the advancement of the gospel. And that's exactly what we see God doing in Paul's life while Paul is in prison. Even though he's in prison, Paul continues to proclaim the gospel to all those in prison that, that would hear. But also while Paul is in prison, Paul has written this book of Philippians, this book, this letter to the Philippian church, which contains so much joy. And so really what was this unwanted circumstance in Paul's life really has turned out to be a priceless treasure that you and I are still learning from today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, We're going to look at verses 19 through 30 today, Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 30. Now as you're turning there, I want to remind you of some of the main verses that we looked at last week. Last week we we looked at Philippians 2, 14 through 16, uh, the first part of verse 16, that's where I focused a lot of the message last week paul said do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure children of god who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in this world by holding firm to the word of life and i want to remind you of this call that we have to hold firm to the word of life so i shared this with the the group that came last sunday night for our prayer time up here There's an author and a pastor by the name of Paul David Tripp. Uh, He wrote a book titled Dangerous Callings. And and at one point in this book, he, he begins to address the seminaries that pastors go to for biblical training. And so in his book, in addressing the seminaries, he says, Could it be that rather than having as our mission students who have mastered the book Referring to the Bible, students who have mastered the book, our goal should be graduating students who have been mastered by the God of the book. I want you to understand that that is what holding firm to the word of, uh, to the word of life looks like for the believer. It's more than simply having a head knowledge of Scripture. It's more than simply understanding the gospel with your mind. When we hold firm to the word of life, we are not simply coming to this place of full understanding of everything in the Bible. When we hold firm to the word of life, what we're doing is we are coming to a place of full surrender to the God of the Bible. We're not coming to a place of full understanding of everything in the Bible, we're coming to a place of full surrender to the God of the Bible, And it's only when we fully surrender to the God of the Bible that we are truly able to hold firm to the word of life. So let me just pause right here and ask, have you fully surrendered to the God of the Bible? Have you fully surrendered to the God of the Bible? I'm not asking if you have a head knowledge of the Bible. I'm not even asking if you have a a good understanding of the gospel because... You can hear the truth, you can learn the truth, and yet never fully surrender to the truth, to the God of the truth. So have you fully surrendered to the God of the Bible? And if you haven't, then my prayer is that today would be that, today, that day for you, that today would be the day that you do fully surrender to the God of the Bible. Because as we talk about this undeniable joy that, that we're talking about as we walk through This series, it doesn't begin when we hear the gospel, and it doesn't even begin when we understand the gospel. Rather, it begins when we respond to the gospel and when we fully submit our lives to the Lord, when we fully surrender to the God of the Bible. And so if you haven't yet fully surrendered to the God of the Bible, if you haven't yet come to know Jesus as your Lord then that's my prayer for you today. Not simply that that you would come to know this undeniable joy, but that you would come to know Jesus as your Lord. That The joy will follow His presence in your life. But my prayer is that you would come to know Jesus as Lord. As we look at the book of Philippians, Paul's desire is for the Philippian church to be fully mastered by the God of the book. To, to fully surrender to the God of the Bible, that they might hold firm to the word of life. With that in mind, let's read our passage today. It's Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 30. Paul said, "'Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests.' All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will also come soon." But I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need, since he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow." For this reason, I am very eager to send him so that you may rejoice again when you see him and I may be less anxious. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and hold people like him in honor because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. Now, as we look at this passage, we see Paul talk about two men here. And I believe that Paul, along with these two men, are are men that had been mastered by the God of the book. These are men that were holding firm to the word of life. Paul was in prison for sharing the gospel, and Paul was continuing to share the gospel while he was in prison. Timothy was like-minded with Paul. He had a genuine care for the Philippian church. Epaphroditus was a faithful servant of the Philippian church, and he got sick and nearly died while serving Christ. These men were holding firm to the word of life. And so what we see in these 12 verses is that Paul, he, he decides in his letter to the Philippian church that he, he's going to rejoice in and honor these two men. So let me just pause right here and say this. It's good to rejoice in and honor faithful leaders. It is good to rejoice in and honor faithful leaders. Now, this was not intentional on my part for this passage to fall on this Sunday that we're having this appreciation lunch, right? In, in fact, I, I planned out my, my preaching calendar. I planned out my sermon schedule for this year at the end of 2021. So this has been on my schedule all year long. And it was only a couple of weeks ago that Roger, our chairman of deacons, came to me and said, hey, we're going to have this appreciation lunch for y'all uh, on this particular Sunday, And so this was not in my plan for for this to fall on this Sunday. But I do believe that it was in God's plan for this to fall on this Sunday. Because what we see Paul doing here is really honoring, highlighting, and rejoicing in these faithful leaders in the Philippian church. It's good to rejoice in and honor faithful leaders. And let me just say, we have some good and faithful leaders here at First Baptist Church Stockdale you can clap. Someone, someone was clapping. Uh, we, we, we are so thankful. We're so thankful for Becky. Not every, not every church can say that we have a, a worship minister who has faithfully served the Lord and faithfully served the local church body for over 15 years now. We, yeah, there you go. We're thankful that that we have a worship minister who loves the Lord, who has been mastered by the God of the book, who leads us week in and week out uh, to worship the Lord, who leads our children week in and week out to love the Lord and to worship the Lord. We're thankful for Becky. We're thankful for her husband, Joe, who serves as a deacon here. We're thankful for her whole family. We're also very thankful for Palmer. I, I realize that Palmer's only been here a little more than a month now. But we're thankful that that Palmer and Katie chose to to seek the Lord in coming to Stockdale to, to serve here at this church. Yeah. And not only that, we're thankful that they chose to not just seek the Lord, but to be obedient to the Lord's call to uproot their lives in Fort Worth, Texas, and to, to move down here to Stockdale to serve the Lord, to serve the students, and to serve this church body. And let me just tell you, man, Palmer's doing a great job already. Uh, On Wednesday mornings, uh, we have FCA at the school. So every Wednesday morning at 7.30 a.m., Palmer is in there. He's teaching uh, God's Word to students that are showing up early uh, so that they can learn uh, from God's Word. And so he's doing a great job on on Wednesday mornings, also on Wednesday nights. Uh, He's doing a fantastic job leading our students there. This last Wednesday night, I can't even tell you how awesome it was. Uh, I mean, we had... 51 students in there, and they were chanting for more worship, all right? Such an exciting thing to be a part of. And so we know that that God is already doing something with Palmer here, but we also know that God is going to continue to do something in our church and in this community uh, as Palmer continues to faithfully serve the Lord here. It's good to rejoice in and honor faithful leaders. But we also recognize that we are not in this alone. We realize that we are your ministerial staff, but, but we are not in this alone, right? We know that, that there are many of you who serve alongside of us week in and week out, who faithfully serve on Wednesday nights with us, who faithfully serve on Sunday mornings. When we have special events, you're there faithfully serving. We recognize that we are not in this alone, and so we are so thankful for you, We're thankful for how God uses you in in the life of this church body to, to minister and to advance the gospel as you faithfully serve. We love this church body. You know, I realize that I'm the pastor of this church, but I want you to know, even if I were not the pastor of this church, knowing... And seeing how much you love, how much you care, how much you serve, knowing that it is your desire to advance the gospel in this town. Even if I were not the pastor of this church, I would want to be a member of this church. And the truth is, back in the 1980s, I was a member of this church, right? <laughs> That's right, I still am a member of this church, and I'm thankful that God has allowed me to come back and to be a part of this church body once again. So Paul rejoices in, he honors Timothy and Epaphroditus. And and as we look at these descriptions of Timothy and Epaphroditus, and as we look at some of the words that that Paul shares here, I, I believe that there's some things that we can learn about how we are to operate as we come together and as we work together and serve together as a church family. So let's just look at some of those things together right now. First, we should hope in the Lord. We should hope in the Lord. Let's look at verse 19 again. It says, Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. We should hope in the Lord. Now, that's the way the CSB translates it. Uh, The New King James Version, instead of using the word hope, it uses the word uh, trust. And really both are good translations because the reality is, is that the fullness of our hope and the fullness of our trust is to be in the Lord. The fullness of our hope and the fullness of our trust is to be in the Lord. Paul was hoping and trusting not simply in himself. He was hoping and trusting not simply in his own ability to send Timothy to the Philippian church, to to go and serve the Philippian church, Paul was hoping and trusting in the fullness his, the fullness of his hope, the fullness of his trust was in the Lord. If you think about it, Paul is in prison. What could Paul truly do to, to ensure that Timothy got to the Philippian church? He could tell Timothy to go to the Philippian church. He could pray for Timothy to go. But, but Paul couldn't do anything in his own strength To get Timothy there. Timothy himself could have gotten arrested and ended up in prison. And so Paul knew that that really he had only one option. He had to fully hope and trust in the Lord. So let me pause right here and say this. There is only one good option in this life, and that is to hope and trust in the Lord. There's only one good option in this life. That's to hope and trust in the Lord. You know, we talked about the darkness of this world last week. We live in a crooked and perverted generation. Those were Paul's words. Paul's words about his generation back then. And yet, as we look at our own generation, we see that to be true as well. That we live in a crooked and perverted generation. The reality is, is this is nothing new. Regardless of how good you might have thought of your generation, the reality is that every generation has been a crooked and perverted generation since the days of Adam, because every single generation has been marred by sin. But I think for me personally, the magnitude of the darkness of this world became a reality for me just a couple of years ago. It was kind of like an aha moment for me where, where I realized, man... We really can't trust this world. We can't trust the media. We can't trust the government. We can't trust this man or that man, this party or that party. We really cannot put our hope and our trust in the things of this world. The fullness of our hope, the fullness of our trust has to be in in the Lord alone. Because at the end of the day, if we are hoping in and trusting in the things of this world, then we are hoping in and trusting in faulty things. We are hoping in and trusting in imperfect things. And so there's only one good option for us in this life, and that is to hope and trust in the Lord. And when we hope and trust in the Lord, we are trusting in one who has never failed and who will never fail. You see, when we hope and trust in the Lord, we can never go wrong. There's only one good option, and that is to hope and trust in the Lord. So let me just pause right here and ask, where is your hope and trust today? Where is your hope and trust today? Are are you trusting in the media? Are you trusting in the government? Are you trusting in your family? Are you trusting in your job? Are you trusting in your money? Are you trusting in your stuff? Are you trusting in yourself? Where is your hope and trust today? And if you would say that your hope and trust is in anything but the Lord and the Lord alone, then let me encourage you to refocus that today. To to take your hope and your trust off of whatever else it might be on and to refocus that hope and trust, the fullness of your hope and the fullness of your trust in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. So we should hope in the Lord. Second, we should genuinely care for others. We should genuinely care for others. Let's look at verse 20 again. It says, For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. We should genuinely care for others. Now, Paul's talking about Timothy here. Timothy is someone that Paul has mentored, discipled, raised up for the ministry. And so... Because of this, T- Timothy has the same type of genuine care for the Philippian church that Paul had for the Philippian church. Timothy truly cared about them. This was not a phony care. This was not a phony love. True, uh, Timothy truly cared for the Philippian church. And so as Paul gets ready to send Timothy to the Philippian church, he points out to them that, that Paul has, or that Timothy has this genuine care for the church we should genuinely care for others now if we if we're going to genuinely care for others then we need to look for ways to accomplish this we need to look for ways that we can genuinely care for others so i've been playing a, a bit of a mental game for uh, a few years now uh, frequently i can't say i do this every day but frequently i ask this question how can i be the best husband today now, I want you to know I do not think that I am a perfect husband. I, I know that I am imperfect. I know there's many ways that I can grow as a husband, but I do ask this question of myself from time to time. How can I be the best husband today? Because I know that, that when my birthday rolls around or when our anniversary rolls around, that Sarah is likely going to post on social media that she has the best husband in the world, all right? Now, if you see that, I promise that I have not hacked her, if you see that on her Facebook page, right? She has done this in the past, right? An anniversary face, or, or, or a birthday, she's posted on Facebook, she has the best husband in the world. But as she says that, and I hope that she can say it again in the future, as she says that on Facebook, I don't want it to just be words. I want them to be genuine. I want, I want them to be true when she says that. That, that I truly am living up to that statement that she has the best husband in the world. And so I play this game, how can I be the best husband today? And then I simply look for ways that I can serve her. Now, I'm not going to tell you any of the ways that I, I serve her because uh, the last time I, I told you all that I do the laundry on Fridays, I got in trouble with some husbands. <laughs> so I'm not going to tell you the things that I do Y'all look for those ways that y'all can do that in your own families. But I do think that, that this is a good game for us to play. Not only is it a good game for us to play in, in our families, how can I be the best husband? How can I be the best wife? How can I be the best child? How can I be the best parent, grandparent, aunt, uncle? How can I be the best in these things? I think this is also a, a good game for us to play. As Christ followers, for us to ask, how can I be the best at genuinely caring for others today? How can I be the best at genuinely caring for others today? What are some ways that I might serve others that Christ might be magnified through me so that others might be able to say, just like Paul said about Timothy, that others might be able to say this about us they genuinely care. But let me take this a step further to say that that others might see us serving, and that they might say, they, they might see Christ's love at work in us, and that they might say, Christ genuinely cares for me. So we should hope in the Lord, and we should genuinely care for others. Finally, this morning, we should love, work, and battle together. We should love, work, and battle together. Let's look at verse 25 again. It says, but I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need. We should love, work, and battle together. In Paul's description of Epaphroditus, we see these words, brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier. And I think, man, there's so much application jammed into these three words. And so I want to just take a moment to discuss these applications with you. That word brother is a term of endearment. It's a term of family. You see, Paul didn't just see Epaphroditus as someone that he was uh, a member of the same church with, as someone that he worked with. Paul saw Epaphroditus as as family. He saw him as as a brother. And, And so, as we think about this this desire to see each other as family. We are to take care of one another as a family does. We are to see each other as more than simply the member of the same church. We're, we're to see each other as more than simply people that we serve with. We are to see each other as family, and we're to ask that question how can we take care of each other as a family? You know, when, the, uh, when, when Jason and Jerry Pavelic got in their accident uh, several months ago, the first thing that I asked Chelsea was, what can we do for you? How can we serve you? And ultimately, several members of our church were able to come together and to provide meals for them to, just to ease some of that burden during that time because that's what families do for one another. They take care of one another. Epaphroditus, he was sent by the Philippian church to Paul, and essentially what he did was he took a care package from the Philippian church to Paul. In fact, at the end of verse 30, Paul says that Epaphroditus was sent to make up what was lacking in the Philippian church's ministry to Paul. The, the Philippian church, they, they loved Paul, and, and they were praying for Paul. But until they sent Epaphroditus with this care package, what was lacking in their ministry to Paul was a tangible outpouring of their love for Paul. And so when Epaphroditus went with this care package, they were able to show love to Paul, not just through prayers, but also in this tangible way. And I think this is a great reminder for us. We need to always pray, but we also need to tangibly meet needs where we can. We need to always pray, but we also need to tangibly meet needs where we can. Because we are to see each other as a family. So we see that word brother. Second, we see that word coworker. And that word co-worker implies there's a job to be done. Understand, when we become a part of a local church body, it's more than simply joining a club. Rather, when we join a local church body, we are saying that we are going to come together and we are going to work together. This is printed at the top of our bulletins, and you hear me say this phrase often. We are a community church with a kingdom mission. And just as that word coworker implies that there's a job to be done, that word mission implies that there's a job to be done. We are to come together as a family and we are to work together for the sake of and the advancement of the gospel. There's a job to be done. Paul knew that he wasn't on mission, that he wasn't working for the gospel alone. He knew that, that he had the Philippian church working with him, and this was evidenced by Epaphroditus coming to him to work alongside him there. And so not only does he call Epaphroditus his brother, but he also calls Epaphroditus his co-worker. But not only that, the third word that we see is that word soldier. Paul calls Epaphroditus his Fellow soldier. And that word soldier implies not just that there's a job to be done, but that there's a battle to be fought. Not just that there's a job to be done, but that there's a battle to be fought. So on Wednesday mornings for the last several weeks in FCA, which I've already mentioned FCA once. If you're not familiar with what FCA is, it stands for Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And so, uh, this is a time that Palmer is leading this Bible study with athletes and non athletes. It's open to to everyone, but uh, it it was originally started with the primary goal of of ministering, teaching athletes God's Word. So, on Wednesday mornings in FCA, Palmer has been teaching the students about the full armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. Now, the book of Ephesians is another letter written by the Apostle Paul. The church in Ephesus. You see, Paul understands we are in an ongoing spiritual battle. It's not a battle against flesh and blood, but as Paul says in Ephesians 6, it's a battle against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. And so, as believers, we are called to come together and we are called to battle together. So, how do we battle? If we're in a spiritual battle, how do we battle? Well, we are to battle. In the Spirit. We're to battle in prayer. We are to pray together, and we are to pray for one another. We are to pray together, and we are to pray for one another. And here's the good news for us. As we are soldiers in a spiritual battle, praying together and praying for one another, I want you to understand that we are serving a God who already has the victory. How do I know this? Because of Jesus. "...who went to the cross for your sins and mine, dying on that cross, being placed in a tomb, and raising again to new life three days later, defeating death and the grave." We serve a God who already has the victory, and anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus receives that victory into their life. They receive salvation. And so as we come together as a church family, and as we pray for one another, and as we pray together, we do not pray in vain, and we do not pray alone, because we serve a God who already has the victory. And so we are called to love, work, and battle together. And I believe that if our hope is in the Lord, If we genuinely care for others and if we love work and battle together, then just as Paul says in this letter that that he rejoices, I believe that we also will be able to rejoice. But before we can do any of those things, we must first be mastered by the God of the book. And so I want to circle back to that question now Have you been mastered by the God of the book? Really, what I'm asking you is, do you know Jesus as Lord? And if you don't, then I want to give you the opportunity to respond this morning. And so in just a moment, we're going to sing another song. And as we sing this song, this is going to be your opportunity to respond to the Lord today. And if you're here today and you would say, I have never been mastered by the God of the book. I have never fully surrendered to the God of the Bible. I've never allowed Jesus Christ to be my Lord. But today I recognize that Jesus did die for me and that he did rise again. And today I'm ready to turn from my sins and I'm ready to receive that salvation that only Jesus Christ can provide for me. I'm ready to receive that in my life. If that's you, then as we sing, I would invite you to respond. You can step out of your seat. I'm gonna be standing right down front. You can come and join me down here. I'd love to talk with you and pray with you. And today, you can be mastered by the God of the book. Today, you can know Jesus as Lord and you can receive salvation from him. Now, maybe you're here and you would say, I've already given my life to Christ, but I've never taken that next step of baptism. Well, if that's you, I would invite you to respond as well. We don't believe that baptism saves us, but we do believe that it's something that we have all been called to do. And if we're going to say that, that we have been mastered by the God of the book, if we're going to say that Jesus is our Lord, then that means we want to walk in obedience to Him. And so that first step of, step of obedience for the believer is baptism. And so if you've given your life to Christ, Jesus is your Lord, but you've never taken that step of baptism, then I would invite you to respond as well. I'd love to talk with you, pray with you, and we can get that baptism on the schedule. Now maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ, I've already been baptized by immersion, and I've been visiting First Baptist Church Stockton. I know that God's calling me to, to make this my church home, to come and connect with this church body, to become a part of this local church family, to love with us, to work with us, to battle with us as we serve the Lord together. If that's you, then I would invite you to respond as well. Today, you can come, we can pray, and you can become a member of this local church body here at First Baptist Church Stockdale. If I weren't the pastor, I would still be a member. I would invite you to come be a member today. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do, I would invite you to respond obediently as we sing. Would you stand with me right now? Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.